Hi, I'm Diane Hill, and I'm going to tell you about some of our traditions. Um, growing up, when I was a little girl, there was just the four of us in our house. Um, my parents were both orphans, and so there wasn't any long-standing traditions. We, um, we had a wonderful Christmas, and I loved it, but there's nothing that I can think of that was, we had a certain meal, or we did a certain thing. It was just family together, and we had a great time, and I loved Christmas, still do. And then I met Jim Hill, and I went to his house, and there were people everywhere. There were aunts and uncles and cousins and kids running around, and it was like uh, a Norman Rockwell picture. There were people everywhere, and I loved it. I fell in love with his house, his, fa his family. And on Christmas Eve, it was always very special, had spaghetti and bran rolls for dinner. And um, then after dinner, we would sing Christmas carols. His aunt would play the piano, and um, we would all stand around the piano and sing. And then, um, and then it'll, we'd, um, we'd go to 11 o'clock service, which was at the Methodist Temple in Port Arthur. And in the morning, um, we would have cinnamon rolls. And when they opened their presents, it wasn't just everybody opened their presents all at once like we did. It was everybody took turns opening their presents. And if it, you were very special during the year, if you had something happen that you didn't want people to remember, <clears throat> you got a Santa gift. And one year, um, we had gone to, an, to New Braunfels, and I went into an antique store. There was a bunch of us, and we went into this antique store. And I sat down, and when I stood up, I hit the chandelier, and it bounced out and shattered all over the place and made enough noise that you could hear it back in Lake Jackson. It was, um, and of course, all the men were outside, and they're all going, oh, that was my wife. And Jim's like, no, I know who it was. <laughs> so that Christmas, I received this hat, and it was, uh, it's a hard hat with pizza pans on the top. And so if you hit anything on the top, the pizza pans would clamor, the red light would go on and go off, and there was also a, an alarm, so you know, it would make noise. And of course, a poem went with it. So um, that was always a very fun time to, to remember. But one thing I did bring to the Hill House traditions was that um, when I got there, uh, I said, let's hang up our stockings, and Rachel said, we don't hang up stockings anymore. The kids are too old, and I'm, well, Santa Claus is still going to come, whether they're old or not, so, um, so we made sure that there were stockings for everybody, and of course, Santa did come during the night, and he filled them, and Rachel's stocking had sticks and coal in it because she didn't believe. So she was quite angry in the morning. <laughs> but the next Christmas, hers was the first stocking that was hung up. At the <laughs> so 
um, I appreciate you letting me share my memories with you. Thank you. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the rule of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, his brother Philip was ruler over Etruria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came unto John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River, calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and wanted to, and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it was written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth. All humanity will see God's salvation. The word of God for the people of God. So we've been working with the image of something for Christmas. Everybody wants something for Christmas, whether you are uh, scouring the internet for a deal, whether you have identified exactly which gadget you would like or toy that you are wishing for. Everyone wants something for Christmas. Now we think about um, philosophers who say that uh, there's a God-shaped void inside uh, every man's heart and we spend our lives filling it with everything else until we realize that it's perfectly shaped to be filled by God. You could probably divide a room quite quickly with one or two questions. One of those questions, you know, that were uh, at least the um, smell of uh, Thanksgiving in Turkey is still uh, maybe in our memory, if not in our nostrils. You can divide a room by asking, uh, are you turkey and you tolerate the sides, or, or are you sides and you tolerate the turkey, right? We could divide the room based upon that. You can divide the room about Christmas trees. Are you the kind of people who get the Christmas tree out of the attic and assemble it? Or do you go out and pick the Christmas tree and bring it home? Right? Is that fair? We could divide the room. Who of you uh, have the Christmas tree in the attic? Right? Raise your hands, right? Who of you go and get the one that smells from outside? Yes, that's good too, right? Maybe some of you do both, right? You're satisfying everything. Now, um, there's another way to split the room um, in terms of traditions and how you decorate the Christmas tree. Now, uh, for some of you, I imagine that the Christmas tree is decorated with a beautiful color scheme of all matching ornaments that were uh, purchased at uh, Saks Fifth Avenue or uh, maybe even Hobby Lobby or Michael's, but it is a work of art and creation, right? And as the color of the year might change, you would get a new set of decorations that all match beautifully and uh, would find their place in better homes and garden or someplace else, right? And any husbands want to admit that their wives are that way, right? 
Now there are, there's another part of the room that the Christmas tree is decorated um, with uh, tiny pieces of construction paper that have glue and uh, uh, um, glitter. Thank you. How could I ever forget glitter, right? Because glitter never forgets you, right? When you, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's little pictures. Uh, maybe it's that that handprint that was done in Play-Doh that's dried and has a hole drilled through it, right? And you put it on the, the branch and it, you know, dips down, but, but that's Junior's hand, right? Um, you know, it, it is like a, it's like a preschool art convention came to town and decorated your tree, right? Two different kinds of people. Now, the one that's right is both, right? Which are, uh, what are the traditions that connect you uh, to the story of the gospel that cause you to slow down, remember who you are, and what God's called you to be, right? I can remember decorating the Christmas tree regularly when we were uh, children. I can remember that um, there was a way to do it, right? That's how traditions work. Um, there was a certain record that you had to put on to play the Christmas music. That, that was the Christmas music, right? And it, I remember the, um, the, it was a guy who would lead it and he had this deep operatic voice, right? And um, um, it, it just wasn't Christmas music unless it was that record. Um, and usually um, if it was uh, uh, cooler than 80 degrees outside, uh, we would have um, wassail or something on the stove. Uh, and I can remember everybody kind of had their part, right? Dad would carry the uh, uh, Christmas tree out of the attic. It was always in a box that was falling apart. And it was color-coded uh, to put it together. And usually there was um, uh, some uh, poor uh, language used as the, because you could never find that orange piece that's in the middle, right? And dad would put it together. Uh, and we would, uh, mom would always sit on the floor with the box of ornaments and she'd open it up. And we, we were the kind that got it from the attic and we were the kind that the preschool art convention came to our uh, place, right? And, um, and it was almost like you couldn't put the, the uh, ornaments on the tree without telling the story of how this one, right? Because it might be the most tattered and um, curled and yellowed piece of construction paper ever. Uh, but mom will tell you the story of how that ornament came to be part of our tree. Now, um, you know, I, when Amy and I got married, uh, there were lots of firsts, and, and you, you think you know the person that you've married, right? Uh, until you go to um, get out the tree from the attic, and she tells you, no, we have to go down to the Christmas tree farm and cut our own. We have to what? Right? <laughs> And, and then, you know, I brought uh, all of my ornaments with me that, that I had at, at my house, and, um, and, and they, were, they were great. They were my stories, right? But uh, Amy had already consulted Pinterest and found the theme that she was going to use for her tree this year, and I thought, really? How does, how does I mean, I've got this hand that, that needs to go somewhere. 
Uh, and one of the things I uh, asked my parents when I uh, left um, was that I wanted a garland, that's Amy tells me that's what it is, a garland, um, that we had put on the tree every year, and it was made out of um, hard plastic fake candy, uh, peppermint uh, candy canes and swirls and things that were lifesavers, but you didn't call them lifesavers because you didn't want to, you know, I mean, it's cheap, this, I mean, you know, and, um, and one, at one point they, it had broke. It was on monofilament line and, um, and it had broke. And so I had two pieces and one with like a really big knot on one side. And, and so I'm thinking, um, Amy, I don't think your um, color scheme is going to go well with the hard candy um, uh, garland. And she says, oh no, it, it, it will go perfectly because you're not putting that garland on my tree. And I said, wait, 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 your tree, we only have one tree and we're married. I, but well, maybe I shouldn't tell you the whole argument today. <laughs> what are the traditions that anchor you to the gospel story? that cause you to slow down and to feel and experience the presence of God, especially the way in which God calls us into the future. Now, if you were to make a list of things that you want for Christmas, wouldn't you agree that we would all love that moment to slow down, to remember who we are, and to have something that calls us by God into the future? Our scripture passage today comes from the um, uh, story of uh, John the Baptist. Um, and the story of John the Baptist uh, is told to us in scripture uh, to make sure two particular things are known. One is, is that John the Baptist is a historical figure, right? That uh, in the year of Emperor Tiberius and the king so-and-so, king so-and-so, in fact, they were writing it for us because they included the king of Abilene. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, so, so there's, go back and look. It's there, I promise. Um, and so this whole historical piece, right, that John the Baptist is real and that he's calling us to get prepared for the real arrival of Jesus, right? So there's a historical point that the scripture is making. There's also a spiritual point that the scripture is making by telling us about John the Baptist, that John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. Now, other uh, gospel uh, writers tell us that he wore camel's hair uh, for clothes. Uh, and that he ate locusts and wild honey. To us, that usually just sounds like he's a little crazy. But in those days, that would have been some of those precursors for what Old Testament prophets had done. And so what scripture is telling us is that John the Baptist um, is a historical figure in the tradition of the prophets that has come out to call the people of Israel to a new way of life. So John the Baptist heads out into the wilderness to where the River Jordan is, and uh, the wilderness was not a, a, a fun and easy place. Uh, you kind of have to think of, you know, like um, Bear uh, Gryllis uh, in the desert, right? That, um, that during the day it's hot, and during the night it's frozen, and you just want to find a little bit of moisture and be sure that you're going to live. John the Baptist calls uh, the people of Israel to come out uh, for a revival. Uh, now when we think about revival, we think about a 
tent uh, and an organ uh, and a preacher that will sing every verse of Just As I Am until somebody comes up front to give their life to Jesus. John the Baptist was similar but yet different. There was no tent, there was no organ, there was no Just As I Am. But John the Baptist called for the people to do something new, to begin again. Now, we've heard about baptism often. Uh, It's not a new thing to us, but as we read scripture, John the Baptist is talking about a water ritual of washing that we end up seeing Jesus take as baptism. But uh, scholars say that it's 50 years, uh, that John the Baptist is 50 years ahead of rabbinical writings that talk about water baptism. And uh, John is calling the people for this water baptism as a way to signify something new, that they've been washed of uh, the dirt that they have accumulated in the journey of life, uh, that they are repentant for all that has happened, that today is a day for a new start and a new beginning. Now, um, to make sure that you get it, um, the scripture writer uh, also quotes, uh, has John the Baptist quoting Isaiah, right? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. Every valley will be filled. Every rough place will become smooth. Um, This sounds like a huge, uh, you know, highway and road project that's going to be responsibility for a lot of taxes for all of us. But no, um, this is God making new, making straight. Uh, making uh, a path. Um, When I was in uh, uh, England uh, in October, uh, there was a part of the island, we went to the island of Iona outside of Scotland. Uh, It was the place where one of the first monasteries was established uh, in the kind of British Isles. And um, there was a road uh, from the cove where your ship would have um, uh, docked Uh, all the way to the front of the monastery. And it was called uh, the Road of the Kings. Um, But it is um, the straightest, levelest path. They say that uh, archaeologists have done um, scans of the ground underneath, and there are stones that are this thick that pave the way from down by the cove all the way up to the place where the people would worship God. This is the idea behind um, Isaiah saying, prepare the path, uh, prepare the way, that when pilgrims came to Iona, uh, you did not have to wonder where you could find worship and worshiping God. The path was straight and plain. Uh, Friends, I wonder whether it's clear uh, among Christians today uh, how we get to the place of worshiping God. I I wonder in the midst of Christmas, all the activities and busyness, I I loved Lisa Michelle telling us all the things that we've yet to do, right? Um, Christmas cards, you know, these days you can upload a picture, uh, you can uh, uh, upload your database, you can pay money, and all of those cards go out and you don't have to touch them. But is that the purpose of Christmas cards? I remember Christmas cards before the internet being that way that you let people know who you love, what's happened in the life of your family. Uh, Do we really know with all of the traditions, all of the elves on the shelf, all of the things that have to be done, the stockings that has to be hung, do we really know the pathway to God? Do we really know what traditions in our Christmas Uh, Don't just busy us up, but instead slow us down, connect us to the gospel, 
Help us to remember who we are and then to hear God call us into a new place. John the Baptist was a prophet, and I honestly believe that uh, John would love to see more prophets in the world around us. Uh, I wonder if the way to find our straight path uh, to the place of God is to decide that we will be prophets as well. Instead of the, the herd of humanity heading towards more malls and more strip shopping centers and more Black Friday deals, what if we were those who stood apart and called for those who have heard about God, those who are the duns and the nuns, uh, those who remember a time when Christmas was about Christ. What if we called for them to come home, to tell them that the path has been prepared, that it's a straight shot, that there's nothing to distract you, that traditions are not about more things to do and more money to pay, but rather being a prophet, being a spokesman for God, is pointing out the places where God is active in the world today. I kind of think that whole um, uh, campaign these days in the midst of terrorism, see something, say something, would be a smart idea for all of us. As a prophet, what if we, when we saw God, we would say something to someone? When we saw uh, someone who's just on the cusp of figuring out what all this Christmas is about, what if we pointed it out for them in a loving and caring way? What if we spotted those moments of beauty and kindness and labeled them as a moment for Christmas? One of those moments happened this week. Uh, there's a, a picture that I'd like to show. Um, this was a, a viral news story that happened. A woman was getting a birthday cake made at Costco. She showed up to pick up the cake, and the cake had not been written on yet. Um, and so the staff worker had written on it and handed it to her. She opened it up, and she looked at it, and this is what it looked like, right? Now, I, you know, being a little bit crass, I mean, I, I could do that, right? I mean, why would I pay Costco to do that? I could do that, right? But this woman had asked questions about... Uh, how it came to be and found out that there was an adult uh, worker who had just started in the last couple of months that uh, she was um, profoundly autistic and was so proud of being able to work uh, in the bakery behind the counter. And that when she saw that the woman was here, um, she quickly went ahead and took care of putting the words on the cake and then handed it over. You see, the other workers at the bakery, they wanted to fix it. But the woman who had gotten the cake saw it as a moment of kindness. You see, she saw something and she said something. She put it on Facebook, how beautiful it was to have someone so proud of their work to do this kindness for them. It's amazing to think that it might be so simple uh, to ground ourselves, uh, to be uh, part of that group of prophets that see something and say something you see, when, when church is just about showing up on Sunday morning, when church is just about kind of clicking it off uh, the uh, list and moving on down the road, when, when church is just something that we do on Sunday and affects nothing else, it really just becomes a place of a lie. It, it becomes a place where we have the form of religion but not the substance of it. The kid says, this is a room of lies. I, I wouldn't go so far as to saying that the church is that. But if, when church becomes a museum for our beliefs, when it becomes a place where we collect the things that we might do, 
and doesn't become a place where we see and say, uh, where we do not just the old habits and traditions that might not connect us at all with God, but instead finding the traditions, old or new, that connect us to the gospel, that slow us down and allow us to hear uh, who we are and who God is and calls us into the future, then, then we are finding that thing for Christmas. Then we are becoming that people that sees and says. And instead of, because uh, let's be honest, the, the hardest criticism that the world uh, levies against the church in today's day and age is that we are hypocritical. That, that we're collecting toys and mac and cheese, toys that you can't eat, and food that you, uh, toys that you can't play with, and food that you can't eat. You see, the traditions that we carry, people are watching. They're watching how we do what we do. And it doesn't matter whether you uh, get your uh, ornaments from Saks Fifth Avenue or from your kids' preschool projects. What matters is do they connect you to God? Do they remind you who you are? And do they call you into the future? John the Baptist stood on the banks of the Jordan and called the people of Israel to something new. I think God's calling us to something new as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Um, Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. Um, I hope that you're thinking about what your next step is. Uh, uh, one next step might be to join the family in a wonderful fellowship opportunity, uh, which is uh, the um, uh, Cookies and Candles. Uh, it's on December the 20th at 6.30. It'll be an evening of sweets and singing for the whole family, uh, featuring Christmas favorites performed by our bands, choir, and bells, as well as some sing-along. Uh, I hope that you'll come and join us uh, here at the Fellowship Hall. Uh, there's also a giving tree that's in the gathering area. Um, this uh, Christmas season, we're supporting three uh, outreach uh, service opportunities, uh, one that is local, the gathering place, one that is national, uh, the Redbird uh, McCurdy School, and then the international one is uh, Zoe Ministries, which we are partnered for the next three years with a group of 40 orphans that are in Kenya. Uh, and so as you um, make donations, place uh, an ornament to mark your donation on the tree, and we will uh, together celebrate as the tree gets uh, overloaded uh, with wonderful ornaments uh, showing uh, our heart and gifts uh, to others. Uh, lastly, maybe your next step is to join this congregation. Uh, we would love uh, to have you take that step. Uh, so on Christmas Eve, some, uh, this is great, I had forgotten, my apologies. Uh, so on Christmas Eve, there is the um, early service and then there's the late service. And what do you do in the middle? Well, we'd like to invite you to come and join us uh, as we do a little bit of roving around Lake Jackson during that time, uh, spreading a little bit of Christmas cheer to those who had to work, uh, either as first responders or uh, just having to be at the place uh, um, where people need to uh, get gas or whatever it is, right? And so you can uh, participate in two ways. Uh, one is uh, come and join us in between services on Christmas Eve to share the Christmas cheer. 
cheer. Uh, or uh, prior to Christmas Eve, you can provide some of that Christmas cheer yourself by purchasing uh, gift cards uh, from the band boosters, uh, Brazoswood band boosters, uh, which Sherry Ifa will be here um, and you can um, uh, purchase those gift cards. Um, the proceeds would go to benefit the band and then also would be uh, the Christmas cheer that we would then make sure was spread to uh, first responders and other folk who are working on Christmas Eve. Uh, so next steps abound. We hope that you'll choose one uh, and walk in that direction. Our closing hymn, David Hill's going to come and lead us, is Gather Us In. You can find it in the faith we sing on page 2236, but the words will be here on the screen. I want to invite you to grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction. We have uh, Harold Johnstone here in the red, who's our Stephen minister for the day. Feel free to come up if you'd like for someone to pray with you or to arrange the care of a Stephen minister for you or for someone else. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Uh, Almighty God, we give thanks that the traditions that we practice during Christmas connect us to your gospel story. Slow us down so that we might remember who we are and whose we are. And, and those traditions are used by you to call us into the future. Uh, Lord, help us when we see you to say something so that all might see the beauty of Christmas and the gospel message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.